Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Dan Harris, joined by Mike Tagliere. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at Mike Tagliere NFL. Tags, we saw a bunch of injuries last week, mostly to quarterbacks, but this week we've got Saquon Barkley and what looks like a high ankle sprain. T.Y. Hilton aggravates his quad injury. LaShawn McCoy aggravates his ankle injury. Julian Edelman bruises his ribs. I mean, what's going on here with the NFL, baby? I mean, it's getting out of control. I got no idea, and Josh Gordon had to leave the game for a little bit. He ended up coming back, so hopefully everything's okay with him. But uh, the injuries are starting to pile up, my man. It's it's tough. I mean, fantasy football at this point, at times, is just a war of attrition. You just got to have a deep enough roster, and that's why, of course, you know, obvious now, but, you know, during drafts, that's why you kind of load up nonstop. We had quarterback injuries last week, but you've got to get the wide receiver and the running back depth, and that's going to get you through these injuries. Now, some of these injuries aren't that bad. It sounds like Edelman's going to be okay. We haven't really heard too much about Hilton. He sounds optimistic so far. Barkley's on crutches as we look right now as he just hobbled on after the uh, Giants uh, came from behind to beat the Bucks, but we will get into all of that and more, but let's get started as we usually do with your biggest winner of the day. I'm going to go with Adam Thielen, and I know some people might be like, uh, I, I had more questions on Twitter involving Adam Thielen this week than I should have, and I talked to people about it in the live stream this morning saying that Adam Thielen uh, is a guy that is I considered a top eight play at the wide receiver position. People thought I was nuts, but uh, it all comes back to, you know, in, in week one, Cousins threw the ball 10 times. And this week, he he threw the ball 20 or 21 times. So when you add these up, it's like, are we shocked that Stephon Diggs' production's down? If anything, it just tells me that Adam Thielen was able to produce in two of those three games like, you know, like he's like he kind of should have. So Adam Thielen is definitely someone who saw his stock go up today because people are maybe finally realized that he's, uh, he's worth that top wide receiver rest of season ranking. I'm a little surprised by this. I'm going to be honest. Um, you had a lot of guys to choose from. Of course, you had the whole NFL and Thielen, what, three catches for 55 yards? He does find the end zone. But again, they threw the ball through the 21 times. I mean, that. I mean, hold on. That's the thing, though. I, I don't think anybody, hopefully nobody's doubting Thielen's talent, right? I mean, he, he's a great wide receiver and everything, but that's the point, man. They're They're not going to throw all that much. I mean, even last week in a negative game script. They didn't go crazy with it, and Cousins didn't play particularly well. Aren't you concerned a little bit about the very lack of volume? I mean, a guy who's a winner, he saw, what, five targets? Because he doesn't throw that much. Isn't that something that makes you a little concerned about Thielen's rest of season value at all? I think that there's more concern around Stefan Diggs, to be honest. Uh, he's the one who's like really suffered in terms of the targets. Thielen, in terms of like sh- target share that he's getting, is really good. And I, I don't think we're going to see Cousins again. I don't, I don't know if there's another two games this entire season where he throws the ball 21 times or less. Eventually, teams are going to say, okay, Dalvin Cook's a real problem. We have to stop him to beat this Vikings team. And when teams start to do that, you're going to see Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs become, you know, the beneficiaries of that. So, really, when you look at the wide receivers, like guys like Brandon Cooks, like these guys don't produce every single week. Do you really want the safety of, and I'm putting this in parentheses, Cooper Cup? I don't think it's necessarily safety with him. Uh, And I would take Thielen over someone like Mike Evans, even though he had a big week this week. Yeah, big is uh, an understatement for sure. So, I'm actually going to ask I because I know that you are constantly updating your season-long rankings I take a snapshot of them on Thursdays before you have a chance to do it so I can know where you had them coming in you had Thielen seventh but we'll do half PPR as we always do seventh in your rest of season rankings for half PPR I mean he's staying there then I assume I mean he's not moving up is he 
well, he's not moving up because I didn't, I already valued him the way I kind of do. The reason I say stock up, is like perceived stock where it's like people are finally going to realize that Adam Thielen is back in that conversation, whereas Stefan Diggs is the one who's being kind of left out. Uh, uh, but Thielen, I, I just saw his, I, I don't like seeing his name pop up and start sit questions. And, and that was what was happening this week. So it's just, I'm happy for him to kind of get back on the radar and people realize he's still pretty good and he's being used in a variety of different ways, including that handoff, uh, which he scored the touchdown on this week. So um, yeah, I, st- I have him. I still have him as a top eight wide receiver rush season. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not certainly. If people are arguing that he's not a start every week, then I've got your back for sure. He just didn't strike me as a guy who'd be uh, really your biggest winner. How about your biggest loser, though? Biggest loser for me is Josh Jacobs. Uh, he's a guy that after week one, we kind of felt like he was going to be the workhorse for the Raiders. But uh, now two weeks later, we're looking at it entirely different. Uh, I think he has one reception on the on the season so far. And he's a guy that it's almost like Joe Mixon. You know, I don't know why he's not being used in the passing game, but he's not. So that's dragging down his value on top of the fact that he plays for a Raiders offense that just doesn't score many points. So uh, Josh Jacobs, his stock is way down right now. Yeah, 10 for 44 today. And I think that's really what it is, is that, you know, it's a tough game script here I mean they were behind the whole time but he's just not involved whatsoever in the passing game I think he had two targets today but no receptions I don't think he has a catch on the year does he maybe one he has one from last week I think he has one so he's not going to be involved there and the Raiders you know I'm not saying that they're going to get blown out every game by any means but they're probably going to be facing negative game scripts more often than they are positive ones and in that scenario you're going to be kind of you know worried if you have Jacobs now the one thing is he was battling a little bit of an injury coming in he was also sick coming in that could be something but again the big deal is the lack of involvement in the passing game which is a huge problem particularly if you're on the Raiders who are going to be behind most often all right let's move on tags to uh, a new segment that I'm going to introduce just for that and it's called What's your problem, man? Because as I said, I looked at your rest of season rankings and locked them in early. So what I really want to do, you may have moved some of these guys, but I was looking at your rest of season rankings and based on their performance today, I really want to know, or this week, because the first guy is from Thursday, what's your problem, man, with DJ Chark? I mean, I checked your rest of season rankings on Friday and I think you had already updated that and you still had him 58th in your rest of season rankings in half PPR tax. For for comparison's sake, you had Corey Davis, Corey Davis, 42nd. So, I mean, look, Chark has 18 targets through three games. He's got 15 catches and a touchdown. D.D. Westbrook's got a bad case of the dropsies over here. What's your problem with DJ Chark, man? I, I don't think that Gardner Minshew is going to keep throwing a touchdown at a 5.7% rate. <laughs> and that's what he... Cr- you are not allowed to talk bad about Gardner Minshew on this podcast, man. I've got to calm that down, guys. I mean, that's a that's a higher mark than Tom Brady's career touchdown percentage. So it, that that number is going to come down. Eventually, Leonard Fournette's going to score a few touchdowns. So DJ Chark, if he starts losing some touchdowns, you're going to lose the, a lot of the ability to start him. I, I moved him up. He's at wide receiver 46 right now because he's somebody that like he continues to impress and he continues to move up my board. Uh, I thought Marquise Lee would have had a bigger impact. D.D. Westbrook was still going to be involved. I just didn't think it was going to be a very high volume offense. And on top of that, you know, Gardner Minshew taking over a quarterback. I can't I can't say that anybody saw this coming. So I, I do keep moving Chark up, just not willing to fully trust him as a wide receiver three yet. Can you at least tell me that he is higher than Corey Davis in the rest of the season ranking? He is. Corey Davis moved down to number 51 uh, this week. So it's uh, it's it's look, it's getting more and more grim for Corey Davis. All right, I will I will accept this then. All right, Tags, what's your problem, man, with Dak Prescott? I mean, three more touchdowns today. That gives him 10 total in three games. You had him as the 10th-ranked quarterback coming in. I had him fourth, Tags, coming into this week. What's your problem with Dak Prescott? 
I mean, when you look at the teams he played over the first two weeks, I, I mean, can we really like, or three weeks, I should say now. I mean, the games are starting to add up. We, he played the Giants, who I, by the way, I am coining the Giants as uh, the Dolphins light, the Dolphins light version. That's really bad in case you didn't know. <laughs> but Dak Prescott, he, and then he plays against Washington after that. And then he played against Miami. So he's played against Miami essentially twice. Uh, so to have as many fantasy points as he does, it's somewhat expected, but uh this is not going to keep up. They're going to start running the ball. Zeke's going to start getting some of those touchdowns. All right, where is he? Where is he rest of the season? Number nine. I have him at number nine now. This is incorrect. I'm just telling you that that is incorrect ranking. Okay, he's four. That is the correct place Ooh. to put him. And that's where he said, yeah, that's right, buddy. I'm not I'm not shying away. I've got him fourth. Um, I, look, it. You obviously the point about the opponents is very clear. The Giants are terrible on defense. The Dolphins are an embarrassment. And he didn't actually look even great in the first half either. Um, no, he looked terrible, actually. I'm totally buying the the offense right now. Um, I like the play calling, uh, you know, and when Gallup gets back to being healthy. I'm excited about it. So that's fine. Okay, well, look, we touched on this guy. But last guy here, what's your lack of a problem? Let's do it that way. What's your lack of a problem with Stephon Diggs, let me ask you something. Where do you have Stephon Diggs now? Because you mentioned, you know, a little worrisome. You still sounded optimistic on him. Three catches for 15 yards, five yards in each catch, to be clear. But where do you have him right now in your rest of season rankings? I have him as a wide receiver 18. Uh, so I have moved him down a little bit, but I think he's... You had him 10th coming in, so I do want to point that out. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I envision this is a, is a, a game where Thielen and him could have kind of went off. Uh, but knowing that Dalvin Cook continues to get it done, it's just lo- it's lowering the ability for them to support two top 12 or top 15 wide receivers. So I've, I've I've moved Diggs down. Uh, I still think he's a good buy low because I think people are panicking on him. So if you could move someone like Emmanuel Sanders for Stefan Diggs, I would definitely do something like that. I would certainly do that sort of move. I do have him significantly lower. I think I have him out just outside of wide receiver two range at this point. Now, look, last week against Green Bay, he could have had a huge day. Yeah, it should have been actually. Exactly. He should have had a second touchdown at least. Plus, Cousins missed him on a wide open shot down the field. Besides that, so he could have had certainly one good game. But again, I'm really concerned right now about what the Vikings offense looks like because I I don't think they're going to need to throw all that much. I think they're going to be able to rely on this ground game. And they have someone who might be the best running back in football right now. I mean, the way he's running, the way that the zone blocking scheme is set up perfectly for him, they're really going to be able to stay in games and keep it going that way. I don't know how much they're going to throw. And it does look like Thielen, if there is one person that's kind of going to be getting the bulk of the targets, it's going to be him. So... I'm a little concerned, but you did move him down, so I'm going to give you a pass on that. So now yeah, I'm getting there, but like I, I, I really can't say I'd take someone like Allen Robinson over him. No, I mean I, I think that's fair, but I really, well, Allen Robinson because of who he's got throwing in the ball at this point might might be a little sorry to throw that in, but I, I think that he might be a little lower than that's fine. But you know, for me again, I don't know. I, I've moved him down pretty significantly. I think he was probably 13th for me coming into the season, but now he's more like 24, 25. But I, I, I like his talent. It's just much more about the situation. So now we're going to get into the games. But before we do, let's talk briefly about Pristine Auction. Everyone listening to this podcast should probably know Pristine Auction by now. They've been our sponsor for a long time, and they provide the autographed helmets for our giveaways. But if for some reason you are not, press pause on this podcast for one second, go to pristineauction.com right now, and live your best life. Seriously, we will wait. For whatever you're interested in, collectibles, movies, coins, or of course football and other sports memorabilia, then you need to be on pristineauction.com. 
pretty much every day. They have hundreds of daily auctions ending every night with guaranteed authentic items that come from only the most trusted sources. And they even have these awesome things called 10-minute auctions where, boom, an item pops up and it's up for auction for only 10 minutes. So you can really sneak in there. Because of those, how many auctions they have, they have an incredible number of amazing deals. Yesterday, I saw a signed Todd Gurley Rams jersey for $64 and a signed DeAndre Hopkins jersey for $65. Seriously, I have run the gamut there from autographed helmets for my kids to a giant Toy Story storyboard framed for my daughter. It's free to register and free to bid, and you only pay money when you win an item. So go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And use our registration code FANTASYPROS in the registration field when you sign up. You get a free $5 credit. And if you listened last week, you heard me talk about how I had bought my son an autographed Julian Edelman helmet. Well, if you were jealous, you were in luck. Because thanks to our good friends at Pristine Auction, we're running a Julian Edelman signed helmet giveaway this month. Just leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at fantasypros.com to be entered. All right, Tags, let's get into the games here, and let's start briefly with the Thursday night game, which seems like old hat by now. Jaguars 20, Titans 7. Everybody but Bobby probably hated watching this game. We talked about Chark, so let's not spend too much time here, but I do want to talk briefly about both running backs. Leonard Fournette had a bizarre game. He had a 69-yard run late and finished with 66 yards rushing, which should tell you all you need to know about his night, but he also did have six catches on eight targets, continuing the trend that we have seen early. He's got 20 targets now through three games. Separately, Derrick Henry had a rough night rushing, 17 carries for only 44 yards, but he does find the end zone again the fourth time in three games. Let's go half PPR here. Rest of season, Leonard Fournette or Derrick Henry, and do you have any real concerns about either running back? I'm going to go with Derrick Henry slightly, and that's weird because I didn't think I'd say that. Uh, I'm saying it now just because Leonard Fournette just looks sluggish. Uh, he, he He's a guy that basically tries to make the moves of someone like a Christian McCaffrey would. And the problem is he doesn't have that burst of speed. Once he gets out in the open field, he's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. But uh, out of the hole, he doesn't have it. Uh, and that's that's causing him a whole lot of problems with this Jacksonville offensive line. So uh, I'll take Derrick Henry over him. Uh, this game was just incredibly boring. I think Derrick Henry did lose value in that game uh, because he did see two targets, caught one of them for two yards, but then also dropped another. It was a really big one where he had a lot of room to run. It was a screen pass and... Uh, you know, it just continues to be the problem with Derrick Henry. I think there's a reason that we've never seen him with more than 15 receptions in a, in a year, and not just NFL, college too. So um, I'll take Derrick Henry and that's it. I do too, slightly. Uh, I'm not overly excited about either. I do think that Fournette's catches really just give him such a floor. Uh, I mean, he, he would have had a terrible game without that large run at the end of the game um, against the Titans. But in, in the end, six catches and all the targets are really kind of changes the equation with him a bit I would prefer Henry who again for me the big thing was he was still in that game I I mean the the Titans apparently don't have a hurry up offense because they were running (laughs) they were running that game as if they were ahead by 14 points all time but he was still out there so for me that was encouraging even though he still continued to have a lack of involvement in the passing game let's get to Sunday's games Bills 21 Bengals 17. So look, for the Bills, there's no Devin Singletary here. And Frank Gore has a predictably nice game, 14 for 76 with a score on the ground. You talked about him earlier this week on the podcast. TJ Yeldon does see 10 touches and gains 49 yards. Josh Allen, another decent day. He does throw a touchdown pass. He runs for 46 yards, but a quiet day for the receivers overall. Dawson Knox does find the end zone, but anything much to take away here from the Bills side? 
Not necessarily. I mean, I, I thought the rushing game like, would have been even better, honestly, against this Bengals defense because Frank Gore, he's not a guy that you, it's just easy to bring down, and the Bengals couldn't tackle anybody against the 49ers last week. So I expected something bigger out of Frank Gore. Fortunately, uh, he did score towards the end of that game, uh, saving, salvaging his fantasy day. But I think we're, we also saw the floor of someone like uh, John Brown. Uh, five targets after seeing double-digit targets in both weeks one and two, uh, comes back to five targets in this game, just 51 yards. So uh, he's going to be a little volatile as is Josh Allen. Uh, I watched a lot of that game and Allen just didn't seem to have the accuracy that he did in weeks one and two. Uh, it wasn't terrible at times, but then other times there were definitely throws that he missed. Uh, should have been There should have been a touchdown uh, in there. I believe it was to Zay Jones, but he just overthrew him. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you're going to get with Allen, right? I mean, it's always going to be accuracy issues. And yeah, Brown, I, I still like Brown. I think still think he's relatively reliable, but there are going to be days like this. As for Gore, I, don't, I was kind of, happy I was impressed I mean he basically averaged five yards per carry and I know yards per carry is not really the, the great measure of how running back is running but you know I, I kind of I talked about it earlier this week that I didn't really think that the Bengals defense was quite that bad I thought that the ridiculously poor tackling performance that I put on against the 49ers was more of a one-off you know I don't think something like that suddenly they became a historically bad tackling team I think their defense isn't great by any means but I think they're they're okay, and I think the Bills were willing to play this one kind of close to the vest. You know, I don't think they really thought that they needed to blow it out of the water, and they didn't because the Bengals had trouble scoring. Until the end, it was kind of an expectedly tough day and a rough matchup. Now, Joe Mixon does bounce back a bit. He has 95 total yards on 17 touches. He does score a touchdown. The receivers that you were counting on don't really do much. Auden Tate actually leads the team in receiving yards with six catches for 88 yards. John Ross comes down to earth a little bit, just 22 yards receiving. Tyler Boyd has six. Any big takeaways here on the Bengals side of the ball? Not really. I think people are going to walk away overreacting a little bit to John Ross's performance, but it was a tough one uh, against the Bills in Buffalo. That secondary has played fantastic. And I, I talked about it in the primer to say that John Ross wasn't someone that you'd want to start this week, uh, whereas Tyler Boyd probably had the best matchup. It wasn't great because, again, that Buffalo secondary is good. Uh, but the one area of the field you wanted to attack against them was over the middle. So Tyler Boyd walking away with six catches for 67 yards is maybe somewhat of a disappointment considering he had 11 targets, but uh, nothing too surprising here. I just, I still wonder what we could have if Joe Mixon was treated like Le'Veon Bell because he's just as good as a receiver as Bell is. I think it was really nice to at least see him show that he's healthy and back over the ankle injury um, because I think people were really starting to doubt him almost as a borderline RB1, you know, or at least a high-end RB2, and that's exactly what he is. Um, I agree the situation is not fantastic. He could easily have a bigger fantasy impact if he was moved to a different team or moved on an offense who would at least use him the way he needs to be used. But for now, he at least comes through with a pretty strong performance in what is a generally tough matchup. Now, I will mention that the Bills and Bengals combined here for 38 points, which is fewer than 44, which was the over-under that Sportsbooks had set. And the under was one of my picks on Thursday's episode of the Betting Pros NFL podcast. We do two episodes per week over there, one on Monday where a guest and I examine the early lines for the following week's game and one on Thursday, where a guest and I each make picks. It's five-star reviewed on iTunes, and we do helmet giveaways from Pristine Auction, just like here. And if you read some of those reviews, you'll see that it's been pretty profitable for a lot of our listeners when they take our advice. If nothing else, it helps you understand the upcoming games for that week, which can only benefit you in fantasy. Just search for the Betting Pros NFL podcast, listen, and win some money. 
All right, let's move on to another game we touched on a little bit when talking about Dak Prescott. Cowboys 31, Dolphins 6. Believe it or not, the Dolphins could have been leading this game at the half had either Devontae Parker not dropped a pass or Kenyon Drake not fumbled, but it was not to be, and now they've been outscored 133-16. to Quickly with the Dolphins here, it's no better with Josh Rosen. Status quo, nobody worth owning here on the Dolphins, right? I mean, there's nobody that you're starting in fantasy on any given week, correct? Correct. I mean, Preston Williams saw 12 targets today and it still netted four catches for 68 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, this team is averaging like 5.2 points per game. <laughs> That's something. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about that. But it's it's not it's not good. You're never gonna feel good. I even said Kalen Balaj to drop. I don't even care if they trade Kenyon Drake. If they trade him, it's like Balaj. Can you still say that he's startable on a weekly basis? No. Not unless you get points for ducking out of the way of screen passes. That that's really all you got. Now, would you hold Kenyon Drake though? I would. Unfortunately, you can't play him, but you'd hold him, I guess, in hopes that he gets traded. Yeah, no, I agree. I I own Drake. I was pretty high on Drake, unfortunately, coming into the year. I I really liked him just because last year everybody viewed him as a huge disappointment, and he was like a a strong RB2 in in PPR format. So for me, it's terrible, but you have to hold Drake, in my opinion, and you cannot start him until hopefully— he gets traded. On the other side of the ball, we talked already about Dak Prescott. Your boy, Amari Cooper, continues to shine. Two touchdowns in 88 yards. Ezekiel Elliott with a big day rushing. Tony Pollard also has a big day in garbage time, proving that your preseason takes were obviously completely wrong. Uh, streamers are a little disappointing here. Both Devin Smith and Randall Cobb have bad days, although Cobb had a long touchdown that was called back by holding. Anything here that you can take away from the rest of the Cowboys? Uh, no, that Pollard, uh, basically, I talked about him on the podcast this week saying that he could be a flex-type play for you. Um, so I called that one this week, but he's just a, he's just a handcuff. But no, Amari Cooper getting it done against Xavier Howard. Like, Xavier Howard's one of the better cornerbacks in the league, and uh, Cooper has he's going to draw the number one cornerback a lot of the times. So knowing that he just like totally just beat Xavier Howard all over the field, it's like, I was even skeptical. Cause it's like, okay, we have to see Amari put it together week after week. And uh, I knew that last year was going to be difficult going to a new team in the middle of the year, but the start to this season, geez, it'd be hard pressed not to rank him as a top six wide receiver moving forward. It's one of my big preseason busts for me um, because of the fact that I was so scared off by the plantar fasciitis issue. You know, there was all the talk about what he did when he had suffered with it. There wasn't even any real diagnosis for it. I mean, it it kept sort of going back and forth between an ankle or plantar fasciitis, but I avoided him um, pretty pretty, uh, steadily in all my drafts, and, and that's just like, looking like a terrible decision he looks great the entire offense looks good again you've mentioned that they have had a very easy schedule but for right now I'd certainly be buying all the Cowboys with uh, little hesitation Um, I think tags in the end that what we've just talked about with the games today I think that's gonna kind of be my takeaway from a lot of these games which is I don't see many players moving up or down significantly, at least as I was going through the games. And that's true with this one, although there's an argument to be made. Packers 27, Broncos 17. Let's talk about the Packers running backs. Okay, Aaron Jones does find the end zone twice here, but has just 19 yards rushing on 10 carries. And of course, Matt LaFleur said he wanted to even up the touches between Jamal Williams and Jones. And he does. Williams sees 14 touches, Jones 11, and Williams was actually far more effective. Why don't you break down how you feel about the Green Bay Packers running situation right now? It's frustrating for sure. Uh, Aaron Jones owners were bailed out because of the, like the limited usage that he got. And if you were to see his touchdown run, you'd see, you'd, you'd see what you'd see on tape is a, a run that Jamal Williams wouldn't have made on one of the touchdowns. Anyways, I know the yards per carry doesn't show it uh, on the stat sheet this week, but Aaron Jones is still the far superior running back. Still, 
being he scored two touchdowns, you're gonna you could probably sell high on him. And there's there's nobody that was higher uh, on Aaron Jones in the preseason than me. I was a guy that was moving him up almost to my top ten running backs and saying that he was my my guy this year because I thought there was no way Matt Lafleur would make this a, a timeshare, and he continually shows that he's incapable of you know, running an offense. So I, I know they're three and zero, and Packer fans are going to come after me for this, but their team on offense looks like crap. And that's what LaFleur was brought in there to do. Let me ask something. You had Jones ninth. Is he staying there in your rest of the season rankings in half PPR ninth? Is he staying there? No, he's not going to stay there. I, I would move him behind someone like Chris Carson. And then like Joe Mixon, it's going to depend. I have to look forward to their schedules and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, he probably should still be at RB9. Uh, he probably should stay in front of Carson, who has clear fumbling issues. But I don't feel like he's a. I don't feel like he's one of those RB1s that you could just stick in your lineup and not worry about him. Yeah, he might still be an RB1 by default. You know, because there are question marks. With that. we're talking about Leonard Fournette, for example. You know, he he's right on that border. Do you feel better? about him or not. Carson, certainly the fumble issues today. I mean, you mentioned it last week. I poo-pooed it. And then when I saw Rashad Penny was out today, I said, oh, well, this is going to be easy. Still, still lost a critical fumble, lost touches to CJ Prosai. So when you get to that range, unfortunately, there's just not that many backs that you can feel great about overall. But what about Marquez Valdez-Scantling here? He does see 10 targets, six catches for 99 yards and the score. You had him 44th coming into the week. Are you moving him into the wide receiver three territory? Yeah, I have him at wide receiver 38 right now. Um, so he's just outside there. But I mean, if you have him as a wide receiver three, I wouldn't feel bad about it. He's clearly the number two in this offense. Um, people don't realize that Geronimo Allison is playing like 40% of the snaps so far. And that's that's a real problem. Uh, I know Aaron Rodgers has produced, you know, three top, you know, 40 wide receivers before. But it, it's tough to do that when you're playing limited snaps. And honestly, he doesn't look that good playing the role he's playing. I never understood why they put him in the slot. Uh, but uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he was one of my favorites this week uh, in terms of like DFS, and I, th- I thought he was worth a spot start. Um, the matchup was perfect considering Chris Harris was going to be shadowing Devontae Adams. So uh, I'm happy to say Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a, a pleasant surprise today. Yeah, I was way lower on him coming in, and I agreed with him this week uh, for the reasons that you said, but overall, I think I need to also move him up. He probably will be outside of wide receiver three territory for me, as he is slightly for you. I'll probably be a little lower than him, but he's definitely moving up. Let's go to the Broncos. Predictably tough day against a strong defense. Emmanuel Sanders has just 10 yards receiving, but Philip Lindsay with a nice day, 130 total yards and two touchdowns. Royce Freeman, again, was not bad. Does this game make you feel any better about Lindsay going forward? You had him 27th in half PPR formats coming in. Not really. I think he's actually a sell high candidate. I might have moved him up like one spot, but he scored two touchdowns today. And that's what what people are going to see. And they're going to see Lindsay had a massive day and they're going to want to buy him. Uh, but truth be told, like Royce Freeman, this is like still like a 50-50 timeshare. I, I talked about it in the primer uh, this week saying that like even the pass routes are so close like Royce Freeman is uh he was in the top 18 running backs for amount of pass routes run through two weeks so he's involved in this offense and if he had scored these two touchdowns people would be looking to buy him and sell Lindsay so it's just it's the dramatic effect that touchdowns can have on a player's performance and their perceived stock and the bottom line is that Freeman's running pretty well this year. You know, he he did not run particularly well last year. He said he was bothered by an ankle injury all year. He's running relatively well this entire season, and he left briefly with an injury here. So he, you know, was out, and Lindsay got a few extra touches. So I agree this didn't really move the needle. I thought Lindsay looked good, but it didn't really move the needle for me either on his rest of season value. Yeah, and Freeman had a touchdown that was called back too. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, he he's somebody who needs to be owned. You can start him in a pinch if you are right now, but really, 
you probably need one of them to get injured for the other one to have significant value rest of season. Before we move on here, Tags, let me tell you briefly about Monkey Knife Fight. MonkeyKnifeFight.com has an offer that you cannot miss. Play 20 bucks on week three Monday night football, and they'll give you 10 bucks in Monkey Night Fight credit, regardless of whether you win or lose. That's right, you play 20 bucks across their week three Monday night NFL contest, and they give you 10 bucks no matter how you do. Sign up now and get six months of Fantasy Pros Premium with promo code FANTASYPROS. That's MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Monkey fight, monkey win. All right, Tags, let's move on here. Colts 27, Falcons 24. Really impressive effort here by the Colts, perhaps helped a bit by Ken O'Neill leaving with an Achilles injury. Jacoby Brissett completed his first 16 passes. He finished with 310 yards passing and two touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton goes off in the first half with eight catches on 10 targets for 65 yards and a score, but he does aggravate his quad injury, as I mentioned earlier, and it had limited him in practice all week. Now, all I've got here is that he does not sound particularly concerned, but that the trainers, quote, didn't want him tearing the quad, which does not sound good, but obviously fantasy owners need to monitor that. Meanwhile, Marlon Mack was questionable coming in. He does go for 74 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown. He adds a couple of catches. Any takeaways here from the Colts side? No, that's weird. Didn't want him tearing a quad. I mean, when you when you uh, strain a muscle, it's it's essentially a slight tear. So, I mean, I don't that sounds really bad. It was a bizarre quote, but he sounded optimistic. It was like, he, you know, it, it didn't sound bad when you actually listened to him say it. But when I heard that that him actually say that, I said, well, if they're worried about you tearing the quad, that seems pretty concerning, you know? Yeah, that's that's really odd. I mean, to know that he was questionable like up until a game time decision uh, for this week, I, I wouldn't feel great about his availability next week because they did announce him out pretty much right away. Yeah, I mean, it, look, in the end, that's what it's going to be at this point. There's not much we can take away. He was great when he played, which was fantastic, Um, but certainly need to monitor anything else from the Colts. Because again, this is another one of those games where I was like, oh, it was great to see Hilton perform well again. That's kind of what you've come to expect when he's healthy. And Marlon Mack, again, another guy who was questionable coming in, game time decision, looks pretty good running and, and nothing really changes for me in terms of how I view them going forward. How about you? Yeah, I mean, nothing changed too much. One person I would say to pay attention to, I'm sure we're going to talk about on the waiver wire show tomorrow, is uh, Paris Campbell. Uh, he played uh, the third most snaps in the team behind only Deion Kane and T.Y. Hilton uh, this week. Uh, but he's someone that is actually like a couple inches taller than T.Y. Hilton, and he's actually faster than T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Paris Campbell was drafted to be the future of this offense, and uh, if T.Y. Hilton's going to miss some time, he's the one who would benefit quite a bit. All right, on the other side of the ball, Ito Smith here leaves the game with an injury, so Devonta Freeman dominates the carries. He goes 16 for 88 yards. Julio Jones, another huge day, eight catches, 128 yards. Touchdown, I believe I saw you tweet it out. All he does is catch touchdowns, which is funny, obviously, considering his history. Austin Hooper finds the end zone twice. Matt Ryan throws for 304 yards and three touchdowns in a game that the Falcons were trailing right from the get-go. But explain to me, if you will, how in a game when the Falcons trailed all day that Calvin Ridley sees one target catching it for six yards? I mean, explain it, Tag. Just explain it to me. <laughs> I, I I can explain it, actually. Um, like it, I was actually lower on Calvin Ridley this week. I had him like uh, wide receiver 28, wide receiver 29 range, and a lot of people had him in the top 20. So the reason being is because the Colts under Frank Reich and that the defensive scheme, they are uh, they're playing a whole lot of zone coverage, and that essentially takes away what Ridley does best uh, because he's not particularly the, like the smartest wide receiver where he knows where to sit in his breaks. He hasn't learned the stuff about the NFL yet, but he's like legitimately almost a perfect quarterback rating when targeting him versus man coverage. So to know that Indianapolis is going to run zone coverage 80% of the time, 
that was always going to be concerning for Ridley in this game. And it's also the reason that I liked Austin Hooper. Unfortunately, I didn't play enough of him in DFS as I probably should have. Like, take my own advice. But, I mean, I did have Greg Olson uh, instead of him in a lot of lineups. So, it's... You'll live with that then. Yeah, I'll definitely take it. But, uh, yeah, this this offense, it's weird because people were trashing Matt Ryan um, at the start of this game because he started out really slow. And then to look back and see he completed 29 of 34 passes for three touchdowns and 304 yards, it's not really a bad game. He had a bad start, I'll give you that. But uh, as the game went on, he got better and better. Yeah, certainly. So out of curiosity, you had Ridley 23rd rest of season coming in. Any change there significantly or just one of those games? Nope, just one of those games. I have him at wide receiver 24 right now, so uh, I still like him. It, this is this is an opportunity to buy someone after a down game. Very good. I feel the same way. I'm at 25, and I doubt that he will move much um, after this week. Chiefs 33, Ravens 28. Look, Damian Williams was inactive here, and as we all expected, that totally tanked the Kansas City offense, and they were unable to recover. <laughs> Uh, that's obviously a joke. Patrick Mahomes was brilliant as usual, throwing for 374 yards and three touchdowns. Now, word broke just before the game. This is one of those times where paying close attention right before game start is going to lead you astray. But word broke just before the game that Daryl Williams and not LaShawn McCoy would get the start. But McCoy winds up with a big day here, eight for 54 and a score on the ground, plus three for 26 and a score through the air. But then he aggravates his ankle injury that had him questionable coming in. And Daryl Williams did run well, nine for 62 plus five catches for 47 yards. I'm going to leave them for you to talk about tomorrow with Bobby on your waiver wire show because I'm sure we'll know more about McCoy's injury and Williams will probably be a big part of that. So let's instead look at these receivers. McCole Hardman, two catches for 97 yards and a score. Sammy Watkins, five catches for 64 yards. And Demarcus Robinson, three catches for 43 yards, but he also finds the end zone. Now, Tariq Hill is reportedly recovering well, but can you start all three of these guys in the meantime each week? It's hard to say you can't, um, considering like I, Demarcus Robinson was a guy I did not like this week. Uh, the one touchdown catch that he had it was an 18-yard touchdown. Uh, if without that, his day would have been a complete bust. So he was—he's the one that's a little bit nah, mediocre. It seems like Michael Hardman has taken over the Tyreek Hill role in this offense, where his targets may not be as high as someone like Sammy Watkins, but he's going to be really efficient on those targets in the slot, and they're going to use his speed to their advantage. Uh, but I, it's hard to say you can't. I mean, Demarcus, even even worst case scenario, it's like. As a wide receiver three, what you're doing is you're taking someone that's not a, a sure thing anyways because, I mean, that's why they're wide receiver threes. Um, but he has more upside than most guys that you'd want to stick in there. So I could see playing him uh, pretty much on a weekly basis. Yeah, and I'm not going to get into too much what you should do with him. But with Tyreek Hill, you know, reportedly recovering well, um, you're going to think about what Hardman's value is going to be rest of season and so monitor those reports if you're a Hardman owner. On the other side of the ball, Lamar Jackson struggles throwing the ball. He does rush for a touchdown, but Mark Ingram. 103 yards and three touchdowns he caught four passes for 32 yards I mean this is a negative game script here and he was involved all day long you had him 23rd in half PPR uh, is he moving up now after this giant effort or what no not really uh Kansas City was basically saying like go ahead Lamar Jackson beat us and Lamar Jackson made him look silly on the ground a few times but uh they obviously held him to almost 50 percent completion rate today so uh the, the biggest disappointment here, like Mark Ingram, I mean, it's it's impressive for sure, but I think he's going to lose some of those goal line touches to Lamar Jackson more often than not. Uh, Gus Edwards is still involved in the offense, and the bit, but the biggest disappointment in this game for me was Justice Hill. This was a, this was the game script that he was supposed to be somewhat usable, maybe like a Chris Thompson type player, because uh, we hadn't seen them in that game script yet. But knowing they fell behind early and you know never came back, to see him get one touch, ugh, he's droppable. But doesn't that make you feel better about Ingram? 
because Ingram was still in there getting them. It does for sure, but Gus Edwards is still getting more work than I thought he would. Gus Edwards also had two targets today. So, I mean, the lack of involvement in the passing game, typically for Mark Ingram, that's what concerns me, but he did have four targets today. Today's a day that Mark Ingram Truthers can stand up and say yes, and I still think he's a he's a solid low-end RB2 most weeks. So, I mean, if you were to tell me that you wanted to take him over someone like Carrion Johnson, I probably wouldn't do it. And how about uh, Hollywood Brown here? Nine targets, just two catches for 49 yards. I mean, it was raining all day, so just a bad day for him. No worries about him or what? No, I'm not worried about him. Uh, He's a guy that he's going to, I mean, like I said, Lamar Jackson was just off today. He didn't look very good. But seeing, you know, double digit targets last week, seeing nine targets this week, he's the type of player the air yards are going to be there. So, I mean, if he's getting that many targets, a couple of them are going to be deep targets. And all he has to do is convert on one, essentially to get into that wide receiver three territory. Uh, unfortunately, this was just a, just not a good game for him. I don't know if the field conditions were not good uh, for someone that's dealing with a Liz Frank, like recovering from a Liz Frank injury. Um, but I like Marquise Brown. I have him as the wide receiver 36 rest of the season. Yeah, I'm not concerned with this one. I mean, the nine targets is really what I like to see. Uh, it wasn't a great day for uh, Lamar Jackson throwing the ball, but in the end, better days are to come, and I would value him as pretty much an every week starter. Let's move on to the Vikings 34, Raiders 14. I think we covered the Vikings completely when we talked about Thielen and Diggs and how Dalvin Cook is just amazing. So let's look at the Raiders over here. Tough matchup, obviously. Derek Carr does throw two touchdown passes, one to Tyrell Williams. But what about Darren Waller over here? 14 targets, 13 catches, 134 yards receiving. Top five tight end going forward? Uh, top six for sure. You could, you, I mean, if you wanted to tell me top five, I wouldn't argue with you. I will tell you top five. So no arguing. <laughs> I continue to say that uh, Darren Waller is like, um, he's got the Jared Cook role in this offense this year, and he's a lot better than Jared Cook uh, as, a, as a football player. So um Darren Waller I mean that's a role that Jared Cook got 101 targets in last year yeah Waller yes he's gonna finish I I said like when as soon as Antonio Brown was uh, off the team I told Bobby that Waller was gonna finish as a top 12 tight end I just didn't know how you know appealing he'd be on a weekly basis but 14 targets that's clearly uh you're worthy of starting yeah, this is this is a guy who's above the line. I mean, this is not a guy who you're going to worry about matchups. This is, you know, one of the handful of guys that we have talked about who's a guy you just put in your lineup and that's it. You are set at tight end. We already talked about Josh Jacobs, so I think we've pretty much covered this game. Let's move on to the Patriots 30, Jets 14. Tags, have you ever seen the movie Little Giants? I have. It's a great movie. Well, late in the game when the Jets recovered that punt and ran it in for the score, it felt like when the Little Giants come out of the first half and they run a running play and the ref says, second and nine, and the parent stands up and screams, we gained a yard! That's really how I felt, you know, when the Jets finally got in the end zone. It was, it was really exciting. I did a little dance, actually. Now, the Jets did add a second defensive score, but I think we can probably skip them entirely, right? I mean, Bell had a bad game, but they have a bye coming up next week. Hopefully, Sam Darnold can come back after that. There are conflicting reports about how long he's going to be out. If not, would you say just continue to start Bell, and that is all on the Jets until further notice? Absolutely. Until Robbie Anderson has a matchup where you can exploit, because he's been in shutdown matchups you know, each of the first three weeks. And I, It wouldn't have mattered, though, Tags. It's not as if... Yeah, like Luke Fox going to give him the ball right. or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, at this point, I mean, Crowder, you know, has come down to earth. But again, uh, unless Darnold is there, I agree. And you still start Bell. This is a bad game for him. But, it, you know, it, it is a tough defense. They have the bye to kind of try to hope, basically, give Darnold whatever medicine they can to get him back on the field. On the other side of the ball, look, Sony Michelle scores the touchdown, but just 11 yards on nine carries. Meanwhile, Rex Burkhead looks good, 11 for 47 on the ground and a score plus six catches. How do you feel about Michelle at this point? Are you concerned? Uh, Extremely. 
Uh, extremely concerned. He only played 17 snaps today. Brandon Bolden played 21. Burke had 56. I am worried. I mean, they've had... What is the what is the score of the Patriots versus their opponents this year? They're over 100. They've scored over 100 points now. And what have they allowed? 17. These are ideal game scripts for Sony Michelle, and he hasn't performed in them. Like he's been saved by a touchdown in the last two weeks, which I mean, you could say that's going to happen most of the time, but it's going to be ugly when he doesn't score. Yeah, he does not look good. I, I you know, Burkhead being healthy and looking good uh, really concerns me. I'm not. I'm trying not to draw too many conclusions from this yet because again like you said they've demolished all their opponents and this game was not close I mean Brady was pulled actually and then the two defensive scores he came back in just to make sure things didn't get out of hand as good as they are it's not going to be like that forever Um, they're at Buffalo next week that's a place where they'll probably I mean we'll see but they'll probably try to run the ball a little more but I'm concerned if I am a Michelle owner for sure I'm not jumping ship entirely but I'm a little worried what about Philip Dorsett here I mean look Edelman is battling now the rib injuries Josh Gordon came and went a little bit Dorsett has a nice game here six catches 53 yards and a touchdown you've obviously got no Antonio Brown going on how are you feeling about Dorsett going forward is he a guy who fantasy owners can own and perhaps maybe even start if they're in a pinch with bye weeks coming up absolutely uh, I went and grabbed him uh in the leagues he was available uh I was surprised at how much he was he was owned uh apparently people still felt highly of him because it was only just one game he didn't really produce uh and that was with Antonio Brown the first game there but um yeah absolutely knowing that Edelman is dealing with this rib injury I know they're not making much of it but uh it's an injury and you know he's 33 years old Josh Gordon he looked like he got hurt a couple times this game I like Dorsett. I moved him up to wide receiver 52. I have him right next to Corey Davis in my practice season rankings. So I don't, that's how far like Corey Davis has fallen for me. Uh, I know he's had some tough matchups, but Marcus Mariota is just, I think we're just counting down the days now until he's benched. I don't want to pretend that Ryan Tannehill is going to be that much better. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk about Corey Davis at all because I have not wanted to talk about Corey <laughs> Davis in two years, pretty much. But I agree with you. Dorsett is somebody who I don't think you can start yet, but he is certainly somebody who should be added in pretty much all leagues and definitely uh, kept on your radar because I think given the injury concerns, given the lack of depth at receiver for the Patriots at this point, I think there's a guy who's got a good chance to make an impact at some point in the rest of the season. Uh, before we go on tags, I want to tell everyone about another one of our sponsors, ButcherBox. Now, my wife and I are really busy, and even finding time to get to the grocery store can be challenging. And when we do, we always wind up paying a ton. And although we try, it's almost impossible to find meat that not only tastes good, but is high quality and humanely raised. But once we found ButcherBox, our entire life changed. Every single month, ButcherBox sends a selection of high quality meat right to our house. Every box has between 9 and 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 meals, and the price works out to like $6 a meal. Everything in it is packed and fresh, delicious, and with no antibiotics and added hormones. They have boxes you can select from, or like my wife and I do, you can customize them to get more of what your picky kids are going to eat. And they have free shipping nationwide other than Alaska and Hawaii, of course. I'm not kidding, guys. This is fantastic and has legitimately been a complete game changer. My wife in particular likes it because I'm all in on their wild-caught Alaska salmon, and so now she doesn't even have to bribe me to eat fish. And right now, ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life. That's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of their subscription, plus $20 off their first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash fantasypros or enter promo code fantasypros at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash fantasypros or enter promo code fantasypros at checkout. All right, Tags, let's get going here with our next one, Lions 27, 
Eagles 24. Good for you here on Marvin Jones. You've been the high guy on him in the rankings for a little bit. He comes through with 101 yards and a score, and that's really the only true bright side for the Lions fantasy-wise. They won the game, obviously, so that's great. But Kenny Galladay, just two catches for 17 yards. Carryon Johnson gets what I believe is a career-high 20 carries, but just 36 yards. He does find the end zone. And TJ Hawkinson, again, just a single catch for one yard. Any big takeaway from the Lions side? Yes, the carry on Johnson's value went up quite a bit. I actually debated using him as my guy that whose stock went up the most because uh, once they released CJ Anderson this week, we didn't know if Ty Johnson was going to walk into a role uh, that would net him 10 touches or something like that, similar to what they've been doing uh, with LeGarrette Blunt and CJ Anderson. But carry on Johnson getting 20 of 25 carries for the team. That's massive. Uh, the Eagles are a legitimate run defense. Like they're not a team that you're going to run the ball on. Fortunately, carry on had a touchdown this game. But knowing he could stay on the field for all three downs and that he's going to be get, it seems like he might be locked into 18 plus touches a week now. Carry on Johnson's like a high end RB2. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm thinking that casual fantasy owners, I mean, they may see the touchdowns and they may gloss over it, but they're going to see 20 carries for 36 yards and be really disappointed. And perhaps that creates a buy low opportunity. But yeah, I completely agree with you on this. As long as he is getting the workload, he's going to be somebody who you can start and start confidently every week. So I agree. He is somebody whose stock goes up for me this week. On the other side of the ball, tough for the Eagles offense here, missing both Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. Nelson Aguilar does step up 12 targets, eight catches, 50 yards, and two scores, though he did lose a fumble. And Miles Sanders gains 126 yards total, but he does have some fumble issues of his own. He loses one. He fumbled at least one other time. I'm not sure if I saw a third one there, but is this Sanders breakout game 126 total yards? I don't think so. It was a couple big plays that I don't want to make too much of. Uh, It was just a Oh, the Eagles needed some type of playmakers because even going to Nelson Aguilar, he was someone that dropped a pass. Arcega Whiteside dropped, uh, he dropped a pass. I think Mac Hollins got charged with a couple drops in that game. So, like, it was just a bad game all around. And knowing that Miles Sanders fumbled twice is worrisome. He lost one and he did fumble another time. That was a problem at his at Penn State. And this is something that Doug Peterson has talked about. He said if he wants to take that next step in his career, you know, like people are talking him up in camp, he needs to, you know, make sure he hangs onto that ball. And, I was one standing up for him saying that, you know what? I mean, he had limited touches in college. Some things can contribute there. Like the Eagles obviously wouldn't have drafted him in the second round if they felt like he had big issues. But seeing two fumbles, I mean, that's not good in a limited workload. And and Jordan Howard did run in for a touchdown. Jordan Howard's like more of a no-nonsense runner. He's just going to get what you block for him. And that's fine for most teams. So I'm a little worried about Miles Sanders. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in the short term, but I still think long term, I by the end of the season, I think he's really going to be the guy. I think they're going to need playmakers like him. We both know what Jordan Howard is. I agree. He just kind of gets what's there for him. But I think in the end, they're going to want to move much more towards Sanders, as we all kind of thought. I agree, though, the fumbling issues are concerning, um, and he really needs to clean those up. But he has time to do so. So I agree that this is not the quote unquote breakout game. But I think in the end, he's still, my opinion on him hasn't changed very much from where it was. Kind of, yeah. We're just hoping for that breakout, but there's nothing guaranteed there. No, 100% correct. Uh, Panthers 38, Cardinals 20. I, do we have a QB controversy brewing here in Carolina text? Kyle Allen 19 for 26 for 261 yards and four touchdowns. I know it was a soft defense, but I mean, this was pretty impressive here. And he made the entire Carolina offense work. I mean, let's be fair. Uh, We just watched Daniel Jones do well against that Tampa Bay defense. Uh, Cam Newton left a lot of yards on the field last last week. Um, I know his overall game didn't look great, but I'm talking about from like if if Kyle Allen was quarterback in that game, 
you know, I don't think that game would have been close. Uh, Wasn't close. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to go and say uh, there is a quarterback controversy and they could use the excuse that Cam Newton's ankles or foot or whatever it is still isn't right and ride Kyle Allen while he's hot because, I mean, they just walked into Arizona traveling across the country to to do that. So it's a big performance by him, man. Yeah, he looked great. Um, and it's a soft defense. Uh, we talked about it, but so is Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, that's the thing. And he was at least everybody got involved here. McCaffrey had the huge game. Greg Olson caught two touchdowns. Curtis Samuel caught a touchdown. DJ Moore caught a touchdown, although he was targeted only twice and the touchdown was a 52 yard one. So a little concerning slightly there, but yeah, thereby comes in week seven. I wonder whether or not they're able to kind of make uh, Cam take a seat for a little bit just so they could have more uh, information here. But it, it will be interesting when and if Cam gets healthy. On the other side of the ball, uh, Kyler Murray looks great early on, but he winds up with just 173 yards passing. He does throw two touchdown passes, also two picks. More importantly, at least for his fantasy value, he runs for 69 yards, a lot of design runs, which was good to see. Christian Kirk, 12 targets, 10 catches, 59 yards. Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson catch touchdown passes. Big takeaways here at all from the Cardinal side of the ball. Kyler Murray's lucky he has volume. That's that's all I can really say about it. Um, he hasn't looked great. I mean, his yards per attempt now, I think it might be below six after today's game, and that's really terrible in today's NFL, and especially when you talk about the, the I'm putting it in quotes, air raid offense. Um, it's been very low raid. Um, <laughs> it's it's just, I don't know. And he's like locking on to Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, and that's fine uh, because those two are better than most nickel cornerbacks but uh I don't know man that volume he's just lucky it's there and he I mean to be honest not just that but he's lucky his defense is so terrible <laughs> because it's- I mean, the thing is what what's what's discouraging is that he looked great when they started I mean his first drive you know he was running but he looked accurate he always like uh last week extremely efficient in the beginning of games and then I don't know what maybe they have like it's when they get outside that scripted range it's like he's good on the scripted plays yeah that's right once they get past the this is what we're going to be doing and he's left to his own devices he struggles um and yeah he at the end of the game he was just kind of throwing it up for grabs making poor decisions taking tons of sacks uh it wasn't good but I will say as a fantasy value because he, if he is finally going to run, which we've all expected, you know, he hasn't done any of it through the first two weeks, that's going to save his fantasy value, whatever it is. And the volume should always be there because the Cardinals are likely to play from behind. Giants 32, Bucks 31. Right before we started recording, the legend of Daniel Jones grew as he ran a touchdown in. He uh, accounts for two touchdowns on the ground, running for 28 yards. He also throws for 336 yards and two touchdowns. Evan Ingram also catches a touchdown as the Sterling Shepard. Both guys go to 100 yards or more. Now, they lost Saquon Barkley in this game. Early reports sounded like a high ankle sprain, but I have not heard anything definitive. I mean, this, what do you want to say here about the Giants in this game? There's a lot of things to talk about. I want to say thank you, Daniel Jones, not because I played you in DFS, but because you propped up Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard, who I liked in DFS. <laughs> this is awesome because I, I mentioned it. The Giants defense is like Dolphins light. Um, it, but the good news is, is that the Giants offense is now able to score points with Danny Dimes under center. And, uh, that's going to lead to shootouts on this, like uh, with the Giants almost every single week. Like you have to love the matchup. Whoever they're going up against, you just kind of want to look for those matchups. And um, But Daniel Jones looked good. Uh, he Against a Tampa Bay defense, that's looked mu- like much improved this year under Todd Bowles. Uh, walked in there and just kind of changed things, and he's doing what he can with the talent on the roster. But uh, Daniel Jones, man, what a debut. I think Is he going to be the QB1 this week? I mean, I would be surprised if he's not. I mean, yeah, he's got four touchdowns, two of them rushing. I'm almost, I, I haven't checked, but I'd be surprised. Yeah, and his 336 passing, it's not far behind Mahomes. 
Yeah, and Mahomes had three uh, through the air and no rushing, of course. So that's good. Okay, so this, in the end, this is not, you don't think this is a one-off. You don't think that this is something where when other teams get tape on this, they're going to be able to game plan around it. You think that basically every Giants player's value goes up. I do. Um, well, obviously without Saquon Barkley. Sure, of course. Because he uh, he hurt his ankle real bad in this game. And I, are they calling it a high ankle sprain? I haven't seen the report. I, I have not seen anything specific. What I always do is check Pro Football Doc, you know, to see what he says based on video. And it sounded like he was calling it uh, a high ankle sprain. He was on crutches and in a boot after the game, hopping around like a lunatic after they won. That's all I saw. Yeah, so it seems like that's going to be a multi-week injury. So you're going to be looking at, again, this is a defense that's going to allow tons of points. Uh, we would like the Dolphins most weeks uh, if they had a like somewhat competent offense and and, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen have proven that there's not, they're just not capable of that. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones just walked in and just won them the football game. Like, good for good for Daniel Jones. Yeah, huge game. On the other side of the ball, uh, Jameis Winston, 380 and three touchdowns. Uh, he does have a pick. And, of course, Mike Evans, as you referenced earlier, an absolutely monstrous game. 15 targets, eight catches, 190 yards receiving, and three touchdowns. So everybody who's worried about him can relax just a little bit. Chris Godwin, a little bit quiet. Three catches, for 40 yards but on the running side look Peyton Barber 13 for 48 Ronald Jones 14 for 80 I mean is this just something basically just avoid all Bucks running backs until or unless one of them separates himself yeah kind of I mean unless you have a matchup against the Giants every week Dolphins light because like there were there were a few big plays Ronald Jones but it's weird man like I never classified him as like out there like as a big guy on the field but when he's in the game you could clearly tell like he's a, he's a big back and he's moving pretty quick for a big back uh, so I think I still think Ronald Jones has the most upside of this group he also caught a pass for 41 yards uh, in this game he's the breakout that I'm holding on to I'm holding out hope because it's like we wanted uh, the Bucks to get somewhat of a confidence builder and I think this week did that but I also think that Mike Evans is uh, is a sell high Oh, it's all high. Okay, so where would you have him valued rest of the season? I have him as the wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12 range. Uh, but the reason is, is because like this matchup, I talked about him as someone I loved in DFS this week because the matchup was great. And it's like if they wanted to get him going, this was the week. Because after this game, they're going to be playing the Rams and Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. Those those guys have been really good when on the field together. Uh, then you're going to have Marshawn Lattimore on the schedule. Lattimore is always tight in his coverage. Um, there's going to be a much better matchup for Chris Godwin in that game. And then James Bradbury after that the guy that already shut him down last week so uh, I think you're going to see him kind of come back down to earth like Mike Evans was a great buy low and now he's a good sell high because people are like oh there Mike Evans is back he was just sick you know they're going to make that excuse but in reality Chris Godwin might have more value okay all right I think that's fair I mean certainly this is as good as it's going to get for Evans rest of season but you know I'd still think and it sounds like you do too he's still a wide receiver one albeit a low end one rest of season yeah yeah pretty much that's fine. Texans 27, Chargers 20. Uh, Deshaun Watson, three touchdowns, 351 yards passing. Uh, the ball gets spread out a little bit to the receivers. Uh, Jordan Akins does catch two touchdown passes. Kenny Stills actually leads the way with four catches for 89 yards. Uh, and on the running game, I mean, Duke Johnson sees just two carries for two yards. They don't get anything going on the ground. Carlos Hyde, 10 carries for 19 yards, but he does find the end zone. What do you want to say here about the Texans? Oh, I know the final stat line looks good for Deshaun Watson, but he looks shaky, man. Um, like, I mean, 
again, I know that, that the end game, people are going to look at him like 351 yards, three touchdowns, completed at 25, 34 passes. Like, yeah, like the stats look really good, but he holds onto the ball too much. And that's what's that that's what's leading to a lot of these sacks. He needs to get the ball out quicker. And I don't know if that means dumping it down to someone like Duke Johnson. But for those who really thought that Duke Johnson was going to have more value than Carlos Hyde, I think we're getting our answer as the weeks go on. Carlos Hyde just continues to separate himself. And it's not to say that Hyde had a great week, you know, 19 yards on 10 carries, but he did score a touchdown. He is breaking tackles. Yeah, he looks he looks kind of good. I mean, much better than I expected. <laughs> kind of, yeah, right? It's like you don't want to admit it to yourself, but yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I that's exactly right. And I think that that's what it is. And I've I've slowly I have put Hyde ahead of uh Johnson in rest of the season rankings before this game. The uh the delta between the two is gonna grow larger right now. And really with Watson, it's just the offensive line is still not good despite the addition of Tunsil, and he's just gonna get hit too much and he can't take that many hits. So hopefully he can learn to get rid of the ball. In the meantime, though, you'll take the fantasy production. Of course, he also adds 18 yards rushing. On the other side of the ball, Keenan Allen's just a beast. 17 targets, 13 catches, 183 yards, and two touchdowns. Austin Eckler, only 36 yards rushing. He does add seven catches for 45 yards. And Rivers, uh, with a decent day, 318 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, what do you want to say here about the Chargers? Uh, it was a matchup for Keenan Allen to crush, and everybody kind of should have known that when I talked about him uh, against Bradley Roby this week. It was just a, a matchup that they needed to attack. Uh, I think you're going to start to see some of these touchdowns go towards Mike Williams. I, I know he hasn't scored much yet, uh, but like Eckler, he, he was due for some regression in the touchdown department. Justin Jackson looked really good again. Like this could become more of a timeshare, kind of like it did today. Like Justin Jackson had nine touches to Eckler's 16. So it wasn't like, a massive time split like it was in week one or even week two uh, as Justin Jackson is at, I mean, coming into this game, I think he was averaging close to nine yards per Gary. So this, this offense seems like it's going to be somewhat frustrating because you're going to have guys like that are going to be like extremely targeted in the red zone. It seems like the Chargers are taking advantage of the matchups that the defense gives them, which is a good thing. Like last week uh, with Eckler, that, that should have been the case against the lions this week. Keenan Allen should have gone off and it's always like looking at that stuff. So maybe the Chargers are actually calling what we would call like like the term rational coaching. Yeah, I like that. It's rare that we can deploy that term, but uh, no, I agree with that. And man, if if Justin Jackson had that backfield to himself, he'd be a monster. He he looks great when he's there, but you can't really argue with Eckler, who looks like he's shot out of a cannon every time he gets the ball. So uh, I agree, but they're going to cut into each other's value. 49ers, 24. Steelers, 20. There were a lot of fumbles in this game, Tags. Uh, what do you do here if you own a 49ers running back, past or present? Raheem Mostert, 12 for 79. Matt Breida, 14 for 68. Jeff Wilson, 8 for 18. But again, two touchdowns. And that's basically what Kyle Shanahan said that he wanted to do. I mean, are you just avoiding this backfield altogether at this point or what? I don't know if I want to say avoiding, but uh, I was selling my assets last week. Like if you had Raheem Mostert last week, it, it was the opportunity to sell because he's a backup running back on a team that's going to use somewhat of a timeshare. He's going to be on the worst end of that. And then Matt Breida was someone to sell because his stat line looked good, even though I, I warned people that it was just a very small portion of the pie that they had uh, between those running backs. So knowing this is a three-way timeshare right now, and then you're going to add Tevin Coleman back into the mix, Ugh. That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, I don't know how you're going to be able to start any of these guys on any given week. Oh, it's so gross. It's a bad, but they did win, um, mainly because James Conner had a late fumble. And so let's go to the Steelers side of the ball here. Conner, again, does not look particularly good. He does catch four passes for 14 yards, but rushing 13 for 45, not great. Uh, Mason Rudolph struggles for most of the game, but does come through in the end with two touchdowns. One of them, a long one that Juju Smith-Schuster broke. And Smith-Schuster, I don't know, 
what do you make of him? Let's say that he gets seven targets, only three catches for 81 yards in the score. And you're like, okay, well, that that's okay, I guess. But you realize that 76 of those 81 yards came on the catch and run touchdown. So how, how do you feel about Smith-Schuster after seeing a full game with Rudolph? Ugh, not great. <laughs> it seems like the best thing that Mason Rudolph does is throw the deep ball, and that's not they're not using Juju in that role right now. It's just like he's that slot receiver. Uh, it's good to see him take one to the house because that was something he was doing a lot last year, let's be honest with it. Uh, like he, There were some big plays that contributed to his final, like, final performances, so to know that it was most of it was on one play, it's kind of like that Saquon Barkley effect where it's like this guy could have, you know, two catches for you know 12 yards basically like he did today and then like catch a, a 70 yard touchdown and nobody would be surprised about it so I mean that's why you have those electric players in your team so I'm not where is he where is he roughly rest of season in your rankings I was being ripped for ranking him too low <laughs> I heard go ahead I moved him up and I'm looking at it right now I have him as the wide receiver 12 so okay I will accept that. And I, he's probably, my guess is, I think I had him eight or something coming in. And my guess is I'm moving him down. So we are eventually going to meet in the middle, I'm sure, at probably about 11 when all is said and done. But I agree. It's something where I'm not particularly encouraged by this performance, even though he did catch the long touchdown. Because if you watch the entire game, it did not look good overall for Juju. So I, I'd be a little concerned. But again, still a borderline wide receiver one, certainly for me. Let's get to our final game here. And that is the Saints 33, Seahawks 27. Alvin Kamara is just an incredible football player at it, 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 one point he was tackled it was one of those things where you thought he was down and then he just scoots out of the pile and gains 17 yards for a first down he's incredible catches nine balls for 92 yards and a score he also rushes for a score 69 yards on the ground Michael Thomas only 54 yards receiving but he does catch a touchdown Teddy Bridgewater manages the game effectively 177 yards and two touchdowns. What's your overall takeaways here on the Saints offense now seeing a full game with Teddy Bridgewater? I, I think he had the benefit that they jumped out to a lead uh, because of special teams um, early on. He wasn't he didn't have to take like risks. And then he had Alvin Kamara doing things after the catch that just shouldn't be done. Alvin Kamara makes it look so stupidly easy. Like, I, I mean... I can't just like if you saw his touchdown uh, catch in this one, it's like legitimately he's running down the sideline and they know they have to push him out or hit him out. There's like three guys he bounces off with like, you know, like three yards of space between him and the sideline. He just bounces off them, scores a touchdown. It's like it just it's to the point where it's like if, if someone wasn't a football fan and you show him a highlight, they're like, oh, that doesn't look that hard. And the thing is, you know, it's all going to be Camara. Like, you know that. Yes. Every week it happens like this. I'm, I'm watching him I'm like, geez, this guy's good. And none of it matters. They just can't stop him. Yeah, I agree. His value certainly goes up to me. I had, I, I think I'd kept him at, at running back four, but I think I had sort of, especially in the trade chart, made a, a little bit of a gap between him and that top tier of Barkley and Zeke and McCaffrey, but I really think that wasn't fair. I think I've got to move him back. On the other side of the ball, Russell Wilson desperately tries to come back, and with it comes many fantasy points. 406 yards passing, two touchdowns, plus 51 yards rushing, and two touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, 14 targets, 11 catches for 154 yards and a touchdown. But I really want to talk about Carson here because you had mentioned it. Again, I said you had mentioned the fumble problems last week. I poo-pooed it. Rashad Penny wasn't here, but he loses a critical fumble here that I believe the Saints returned for a touchdown. He sees 15 carries and 53 yards. That's not great. Um, and I think he caught one pass for negative two yards. I mean, are you really concerned here about Carson's value rest of season? I mean, if Rashad Penny was healthy, I'd have a lot more concern about it. But I don't think CJ Procise is the guy that's going to steal his job. But I, and, and to be fair, when I, I was watching this game when that happened and I thought to myself, that's one of those fumbles where as a head coach, even if I'm like a you know hard nosed and I'm not like I'm a no BS type head coach, uh, those guys that hate the fumble. 
I mean, he basically, he was taking care of the football away from the guy that was coming to tackle him. And this guy had just come from behind. So it was, it was one of those weird situations where the defender had a clear shot to like basically just go and try and punch out the ball as they tried tackling him. But it was also, you know, the thing about it in this game, Carson just, he like slipped three or four times and just went down on, on, you know, when he had holes, it was just, it was a bad game. And I agree with you on that fumble. That wasn't a, a terrible fumble. If you just look at it from a singular event, but when you've got problems here, you just got a, a lost fumble each game. That's a problem. Yep, that's exactly how I felt. Was I was like, well, it wasn't really his fault. But when you have you know three fumbles in the last two games, something has, is his fault. So still a still an RB one here, half PPR formats. Yeah, probably just because like I don't, I'll take the upside of him over the perceived safeness of Leonard can't get beyond the line of scrimmage for net. <laughs> I, that's ex- kind of what we talked about with Jones, right? Once you get down to that range, everybody's got warts. So you just got to pick and choose your battles. And I agree. I think this is one where, you know, if you know Pete Carroll, it, he's not just going to suddenly be like, sorry, man, you're you're out of here. He'll, he'll stick with him. But his leash is obviously a little shorter than it was before. Well, that is going to do it for today's show. Way to be, Tags. Thanks to Pristine Auction, where they have a ton of great items up for bid every single day. And Monkey Knife Fight, where you can sign up using our promo code FANTASYPROS and get six months of Fantasy Pros Premium. And also thanks to ButcherBox. They have a ton of high-quality, humanely raised meat that can be delivered every single month. Enjoy the rest of your Week 3 football, everyone. Tags and Bobby will take you through the rest of the week. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve